Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. It's that time of year, preparing for 1099 season. That means being proactive to avoid IRS fines that result from filing 1099s with missing tax IDs. So here are three ways that you can find those missing tax IDs for your reportable vendors before the deadline. And did I mention those three ways are free? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 262, three free ways to obtain your vendor's missing tax ID in time for 1099s. So this podcast will be published on November 2nd of 2023. And so we are like mid fourth quarter and fourth quarter really is what I always considered like go time for um, starting to get your uh, vendor information ready for tax reporting and actually starting to get your system ready for tax reporting. Because uh, I know when I was a practitioner, um, we had lots of 1099s. We had anywhere from 24,000 to 30,000 to file. And so we did it electronically using the IRS's fire system. And so we would do test, test our accounting systems and ERPs to make sure that we could get the um, file format out of the system. And then uh, we would also do testing on the Uh, fire system itself and the fire test system to make sure that we could upload that file uh, and that there would be no issues. So we would do that, but we would also start preparing our vendor data. And one part of that uh, I talked about uh, on episode, it was episode 258. And that one was October 5th. It was published October 5th. And so I talked about 
um, that it's uh, time to clean your vendor master file. And I gave three tips to do that. Now, if when you do that, you may find that you've got some missing tax IDs. And so I thought it would be a great time to offer up some free ways to obtain uh, your vendor's missing tax IDs, because if you're going in order, right, and you cleaned your vendor master file, now you've noticed that you've got some missing data. One of those pieces of uh, missing data could be your tax ID. And so uh, we're going to talk about how you can find it and or how you can find those from your vendors. And um, I do want to say here that I stated in the intro from your reportable vendors, and yes, they are very important, but it's actually important uh, important to capture the tax IDs from your vendors that are not reportable uh, as well, because, well, one, you never know if they're going to be reportable uh, at some point. Maybe they will eventually have a payment that is reportable, or maybe they will uh, change tax classifications that will make them reportable. Because if you keep in mind um, that uh, a vendor is reportable either based on their tax classification or based on the type of payment. Uh, And so uh, you always want to make sure you're capturing that tax ID for that reason, but not just for that reason, also because you want to make sure that vendor is real and collecting that tax ID and doing the IRS 10 match is one way of doing that. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, So I have three. Now, the first one um, is actually has a couple of them within it. Um, The first one is just the blank category or broad category of internal documents and systems. And so you may have at your company separate systems that other departments are maintaining your vendor's data in, right? That's a little scary, but it does happen. Maybe your sourcing department, your purchasing department, right, has a separate uh, system that uh, they are maintaining your vendor's data in and maybe one piece of that uh, data or vendor record that they're keeping is the tax ID. And so you want to check with other uh, other departments. Um, also, uh, it could be uh, on various documents, right? It could be on their invoices. Lots of companies that have uh, employer identification numbers will uh, include those on their invoices. Uh, They also could include it, for that matter, on their contracts. Now, I said employer identification number EINs um, because typically if you have a vendor that has an SSN, a social security number, um, that's really more, well, actually both of them are personally identifiable information and should be... um, uh, sensitive information, but the uh, social security number is even more so. And so you may not find that, you shouldn't find that on invoices. You also may not find that uh, on contracts, but you might find the EINs on either of those. And if you have other forms that are uh, that you are collecting from your vendors uh, for your particular company, maybe you're collecting insurance documents, maybe you're collecting um, diversity information, right? And so if you're collecting other information uh, that might include their tax ID, you can uh, 
uh, work with that department to obtain those documents or to obtain the tax IDs from them. Now, the one thing I do want to just caution on is hopefully that's not like a willy-nilly type of thing that someone in your uh, company, maybe your master data governance, or if you have another team, is monitoring the vendor information that appears in other systems outside of the system of record, which is the accounting system or ERP that the vendor record exists in. So I do want to caution on that. But that being said, again, some vendors will include, especially their EIN, uh, number on different uh, documents that they send to your company, invoices, contracts, other documents, and then other departments may have a reason to store the uh, their EIN or social security number or uh, uh, their tax ID, which actually could be four different numbers. Uh, the EIN, the SSN, they also could have an ITIN, which is an individual taxpayer identification number. Uh, and those are numbers that are issued by the IRS for uh, individuals that do not uh, qualify or not eligible to get an SSN. Um, there's also an adoption taxpayer identification number, an I-10 or A-10, excuse me, um, but you probably won't ever see those. Those are for parents of uh, adoptive children where they don't have their SSNs. Um, and so the IRS will uh, assign them that as well. That's really more of a um, temporary number because as soon as they get their social security number, the SSN, the uh, A-10 goes away. So all that being said, internal documents and systems. All right. So that's one uh, category or one way. The second category is external systems. And so I have two, and these two are really related to um, the type of vendor, right, that, uh, that you have that you're missing the tax ID for. And so the first one is if the vendor is a tax-exempt organization, a nonprofit, um, in addition to doing the IRS 10 match on those, you should be doing the IRS um, search uh, on their tool for tax-exempt uh, organizations, right? Because you want to make sure that that vendor is a valid uh, tax-exempt organization, a valid charity. Uh, and so you can do a search on that tool and it will tell you, right, if that uh, charity, for example, is valid. And if it is valid, it can it will also tell you what their uh, what the tax deductibility is like for that uh, for that vendor. So you can use it. The purpose is to use it for that, right? Verifying that they're real and then identifying their tax deductible status or deductibility status, if I said it right, uh, correctly. Um, but you can kind of reverse engineer that because when you go on that search tool, and I'm, I will put links in the uh, show notes for all of these. But when you go on that search tool, you can search by vendor legal name, or you can search by tax ID. If you search by the vendor legal name, guess what? It is going to give you in the results their tax ID. 
All right, so that's one system that you can use. The next one is if your vendor is a public company, then you can use the Ecker database, right, from the Securities and Exchange Commission or the SEC. And when you go on uh, that site, it will allow you, again, to search by vendor uh, legal name. And then you will come up with or it will show you in the results the uh, tax forms that they have to file as a public company. Now, I don't always remember which tax form or which form it is that they have to file um, as a public company that will show uh, their tax ID. Now, I did run an example of Microsoft, right? Because you can always use Microsoft as an example of a public company. And so the results or the tax reports I uh, got in the results, one of them was Form 8K. And if you open up that form, then you will see their IRS employer identification number. So if you have a public company, you can definitely take advantage of the sec.gov's, right, uh, Security and Exchange Commission's uh, Edgar database. All right, so those were two of the three ways. And even within those two ways, I had multiple um, options for you. Keep in mind, though, that neither of those really guaranteed that you would find the social security number. They're probably not going to be on invoices, probably not going to be on contracts. Maybe they're on another document that your company is collecting. Maybe they're being stored in another uh, system that your company is monitoring, um, but maybe not. Uh, and definitely not with the IRS search tool for tax exempt organizations and definitely not with the uh, SEC's Edgar database for public companies. But the third way uh, is a way that uh, you can collect both the employer identification number or EIN and the social security number or SSN uh, that is missing. And you probably already guessed this, probably already doing it, but it is to reach out to them with uh, the IRS form W-9 and have them complete that form, giving you their legal name, tax ID, uh, and also their address. And so that is um, the third way to do it. Now, I do have some tips on this one um, to make it a secure process and also to be in compliance with the IRS. So the first tip is that make sure you're using the most updated version of the W-9 if you reach out to them with it um, and provide it to them because uh, the IRS has actually is still in draft status, but uh, July 26, uh, 2023, uh, the IRS um uh, published a draft status of the Form W-9, uh, and the revision date is October 2023. Now, as of the taping of this podcast, it is still in draft status. And so uh, when that form is uh, published or issued, make sure that you are giving them the most updated form, that version, uh, uh, the revision date of October 2023 to collect 
write their uh, their information, the legal name, tax ID, and address. So make sure you're using the most updated version. And then the second tip is to make sure that when you're collecting it, that you're collecting it in a secure way. And let me just say, if you have a lot of vendors that you have to, maybe not a lot, but enough that you have to send out multiple right emails, you might want to do or be um, uh, tempted to send like a mass email, one email with um, all of your vendors' email addresses in it, um, or maybe your in uh, another team member is going to do that. Uh, you may already have figured this out because it might have happened to you too. But at some point, someone's going to forget to put all of those emails uh, that you're going to email addresses that you're going to attach to this one email, right, to save some time. You, they're going to forget or you're going to forget to BCC those email addresses and you're going to end up putting them in the CC, right? And so... Um, you're going to have some vendors that are going to be upset because everybody sees their email address. You're also going to have some vendors that aren't going to think twice about that. And they're going to reply to all with that W-9 that is filled out. Uh, and ironically, when that happens, it always seems to have a social security number on that W-9. So I do caution against uh, sending that mass email. Uh, if you have to send it via email, number one, try to send it in a secured uh, email uh, system where, right, you have to, number one, you have to put it in, uh, uh, send it to the vendor separately so you don't have that uh, issue of sending that mass email to everybody in the CC line. But uh, so you do have to send it to each uh, vendor separately, and then uh, they have to uh, separately sign in using that same email address in order to get your email, right? And that's how they're going to send it to you. So you keep it out of risky email. Um, and ironically, the IRS has a uh, video that talks or tells the, it's an instructional video that tells the vendors how to complete the W-9. And they even say in that video that if you have to send a W-9 by email, send it by encrypted email. Now, not everyone knows how to encrypt their emails. Um, I always found that vendors didn't, maybe they do now. Um, but encrypting the email, you can't even really give instruction on that either because, um, uh, vendors may have different email systems um, and they may have different versions, right? Different platforms. And so uh, not all systems will be able to use the encrypted uh, instructions that you might send them. Um, but uh, some vendors may send it back to you that way. Uh, some vendors may, may not. So uh, security email is one great way to do it. Um, another way is that if you have a vendor self-registration portal, right, um, have them upload it into the sign into the portal and upload it uh, that way. A lot of the vendor registration portals nowadays, though, have uh, interactive uh, W-9s where the vendor can just sign in, um, register, uh, sign in, and then update their uh, information. And lots of times, right, when you are implementing a vendor self-registration portal, 
portal, all of your vendors don't adopt it right at the same time. So this can be a great way to get the vendor to register in the portal, right? And give you uh, their tax ID uh, in addition to, you know, that registration. So now your vendor adoption rate is going to go up. So it's a great reason uh, for them to uh, register in the portal. Uh, the next way is if you have, let's say you don't have a vendor self-registration portal, but you do have some type of a like a e-invoicing system that the vendors have registered in. And if that system, that portal allows them to upload files and to have messaging so you can message them through there, right? Um, uh, to get them to send you right the uh, upload it within that portal, uh, that's great. It doesn't have to just be for invoices. If they have the ability to upload and you have the ability to go into that system and download it, great. It is out of risky email. So that's another way. Uh, the final way. Uh, outside of email and shh, don't tell anyone. Actually, I've said it a couple times on this podcast. If you've had uh, vendors or if you have vendors that you know are their payments are reportable on or would be reportable on the 1099 MISC or the 1099 NEC, as of the taping of this podcast episode, the IRS does not require a certified 10, which means they don't have to sign the W-9, which means that you do not really have to collect the tax ID, right, that 10 number on a W-9. The IRS's requirement is only that you collect for those vendors that have payments that will be reportable on the 1099 MISC or the 1099 NEC, the only requirement is that you collect the tax ID, that 10 number. And so technically you can contact them on the phone and get and get or ask them for that tax ID. And so that is the other way that um, within right um, the third category of reaching out to the vendor and asking them uh, for a W-9. Uh, If you don't have a non-risky way to do it and you know that the vendor's payments would be reportable um, if that vendor is reportable or the payments are reportable on a 1099 MISC or 1099 NEC, you can contact them by phone and ask them for their tax ID that way. Now, all of these ways to get that missing tax ID, uh, once you do get that missing tax ID, make sure that you do the IRS 10 match, right? So check to make sure that the legal name, vendor's legal name that they gave you and the tax ID matches IRS records. Because not only can you be fined, um, from the IRS for missing tax IDs, but you can be fined if you uh, provide or uh, uh, file your 1099s with a legal name and tax ID combination that doesn't match. So make sure you're doing the IRS 10 match. All right. So those were three free ways to obtain your vendor's missing tax ID. Uh, And if you start now, you can have them in time for 
uh, before the tax filing deadline. So uh, those three ways were internal documents and systems, external documents or external systems, and then also reaching out to the vendor with a W-9 or maybe with just a phone and getting that missing tax ID. All right, so I hope this was helpful. Um, hopefully it's early, you're listening to this early enough uh, in the fourth quarter uh, or maybe even January that you have uh, time to reach out to the vendors and get those missing tax IDs. All right, so thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 262nd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. 